The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are solely those of the host and guest. These views and opinions do not necessarily represent those of Memorial Healthcare System or Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us on Healthy Parenting, pitched by Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital. My name is Jason Grant Henriquez, and I'm with my co-host, Dr. Latanya Benjamin. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. Later on in the show, we'll be talking to senior fire service professional and firefighter Jose Gregorish about keeping your home safe from hazardous materials that can start a fire or cause serious burns. Very, very important. Definitely for our parents, I think, as parents, both you and me, um, we definitely want to know some strategies to keep our home safe. I mean, these strategies are probably common sense, and we just don't even realize it. Exactly. I'm excited. I want to hear all he has to say. Oh, me too. He sounds like a jack of all trades. Before we move on, here's a word from our sponsor. U.S. News and World Report rank our hospital as the top 50 best children's hospital for pediatric orthopedic surgery. When it matters most, children need expert pediatric care. To learn more about Joe DiMaggio's Children's Hospital, visit jdc.com. Welcome back. Before we get to our guest today, let's bring in our one of our producers, Bahadi, with what's making news in the parenting world. Hi, Bahadi. Hey. How are you both doing today? Fantastic. Uh, awesome, awesome. So today I want to talk about um, a study that was recently published uh, from the University of Pennsylvania and the University of York in the UK, and it's specifically about teens and sleepiness or drowsiness. So I know when I was a teen, I was sleepy all the time. But I think that's because I was growing and developing. I think most children and teens sleep a lot. But according to this study, tired teens are more likely to commit crimes or more specifically um, exhibit more antisocial behavior like lying, cheating, stealing, and fighting. Now that's, that's, wow. I mean, that's a whole that's very interesting, the correlation between sleep and, and behavior. And it's specifically because uh, drowsiness or a lack of sleep leads to poor brain function, which, of course, if your brain isn't functioning properly, you cannot make proper decisions. Any thoughts? Well, I mean, I'm speechless, absolutely, because just to think that, you know, proper sleeping somehow correlates into, into you know, personality development. And, you know, I just thought, you know, I don't sleep enough or my child is sleep enough. I'm grumpy. Mm-hmm. I might have a bad day at school, and mm-hmm. that's about it. But the fact that it can compound into adulthood or into into actual negative behavior, that's a shock to me. Yes. And in a short time frame, I think the study said that it took about 14 years for them to exhibit or be involved in some criminal activity. Yes. That's before you're 30. Yep, yep. There, that tie-in um, was also linked to um, social economic status. So mm-hmm. people who, for example, come from a poor community and who don't get enough sleep, that there was also some linkages there too. So so I wonder how many confounding variables, because that's a strong association. I mean, like if I don't sleep, <laughs> I wouldn't think that necessarily I'll be at risk for acting violently. Yeah, of mm-hmm. course. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't I don't think of- Well, uh, not to strangers. <laughs> Maybe <course>. in my home. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, we might, we might, you know, oh, the pillow, but- Right, right. It is it is a shocking statistic, and I think it's it, it brings up more questions than answers because by no means are are the researchers saying that everyone every teenager who's sleepy or drowsy in the daytime will for sure commit more crimes. It's just there are certain correlations among certain youth um, depending on their social economic status, and if they are if they tend to be drowsy or during the day, it could lead to they are 
it could lead to more more antisocial behavior. Well, as a parent, the one thing I want to know is <laughs> to make sure that I stress to my child that sleeping is important. Yes. <laughs> get them to bed. Get them to bed. Now it's time to wind back an hour of all the sleeping times. All the Can curfews. I hold a study to my child <laughs> and be like, listen. So you need to go to bed because by your future depends on it. <laughs> And it's important. I don't want you in jail by 30. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Your life depends on it. That's it basically. really does. I mean, there's been a lot of studies recently about just in general how important sleep is. Absolutely. And sometimes even during the daytime, you know, a lot of people are looked down on nap time. But napping is actually, it shows that it actually improves your brain function. So especially if you're talking about um, people who are in high-risk uh, professions like pilots and people who drive a lot. I mean, sleep is critical. So for safety, for many yes, things. Yes, Absolutely. exactly. So if it's important for adults to get sleep, it's even more important for kids to get sleep. And this uh, study just kind of reminds us of how how important it is. So what you're saying is we should take a nap right now then? Po- yes, possibly, possibly. Thanks for tuning in. Especially, <laughs> especially if we just ate lunch. <laughs> very, very um, commonplace in Europe. If we were in Europe, we'd fit right in, yes, right? exactly. Take that midday nap. Exactly. But it's so interesting how schools, they try, some have shifted their hours. You know, mm-hmm. they really want their kids awake and alert. And, you know, I don't know what time, but my my child's not school age of yet, but I know kids are waking up like six in the morning, like pretty early mm-hmm. to yes, get to are. school. Yes, mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I can understand by midday, you know. You're wiped out. Yeah. You're wiped out. Now, um, Jason, you have two kids, two boys. Yes, I do. And they're preteens? Preteens, yes. Okay, okay. And so do you have a rule around getting them into bed on time well, or at absolutely. a certain time uh, every night? The idea is that around 8 o'clock, we would start wrapping everything up, uh, 8.30 showers, 9 o'clock we're in bed, and you better be asleep by 9.30. <laughs> That's it. But now I think after reading this, we're going to roll that back. 7 o'clock, <laughs> we're walking down. Right, right. But, yes, it's a routine. Um, I strongly believe that, that kids do need to go to sleep uh, at a good time. Routine is the key. And um, my kids definitely are on that routine. When they, when they deviate from the routine, the it mornings shows, are different. Right? It's, yes. ve- it's, yeah. it's night and day. Yes. And plus you want to have them process everything they learned in school, ideally, right? Mm-hmm. And so. mm-hmm. mm-hmm. That kind of makes sense. All right. So the other hot topic today is kind of gross, actually. Oh, it's a lukewarm topic. You <laughs> it's mean. a lukewarm, it's lukewarm topic. topic. Oh, you guys are terrible. <laughs> <laughs> That's gross. So I'm, I'll be the first to admit, I when I was younger, when I was a small, small child. Mm-hmm. Very, I, small. Well, very, <laughs> very small. Very like, small. Like so different. <laughs> um, I did pee in the pool. And I'm going to ask you both, have you ever peed in the pool? Ever. Or, in the bathtub. No, I'm teasing. <laughs> uh, I think it's kind of a natural thing in the sense that if you have minimal clothing on and you go into a warm body of water, it's a natural response. However, we train our children, right? And as mm-hmm. adults, we have trained behaviors. So we know you actually can come out of the pool mm-hmm. and use the restroom. Mm-hmm. So um, tell us about the study because it is really gross. It is gross. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's actually a huge lesson learned for us to not pee in the pool. So Canadian researchers actually tested approximately 31 pools and hot tubs from like hotels and rec centers. And they found in every single one of the pools there was urine. Yeah. <laughs> On average, eight gallons worth of urine in That's a, a typical lot. size pool. Yes, that is a lot. That's a lot of urine. That is eight milk gallons. Eight gallons, like <sighs> the milk carton. Wow. One. 
Yes, eight that milk that carton of milk. Okay, so eight. all I have to say is make sure you swim with your mouth closed. <laughs> yes, uh, and your uh, eyes closed. Yes. And if you need yes. to see underwater, wear swimming goggles. Yes, yes. Well, at least that's what I'm going to do now. There is no way. I know, I know. That's it's pretty. It's pretty disgusting. And then you have Michael Phelps, the Olympic swimmer. He admitted to peeing in the pool. He's like everyone does it. He's honest. Like, but really? Everyone? Yeah. I, don't, I don't know about that. But. Well, I mean, most people probably have at least once. Yeah, you know. Yes, when we were all very, very oh, much, very much younger, <laughs> absolutely. So the other thing about this is, um, obviously, anytime you go to a pool, there's a really, really strong chlorine odor, mm-hmm. right? So apparently, that is it really chlorine? odor. <laughs> <laughs> that odor is chlorine and urine. So when so the stronger it is the more urine that's in So the listeners, what we're telling you is that chlorine <laughs> does not disinfect or kill urine. No. Okay? So now, now that actually is a shock to me. Yes. I thought it did. No, it and, doesn't. Um, that's something I learned, and that's, that's sad. <laughs> that's really sad. It actually produces toxic chemicals called disinfection byproducts. So when chlorine and urine mix, they create what's called disinfection byproducts. And... Um, Dr. Benjamin, I want you to speak on the fact that when you have these really strong chemicals on your skin, it could really irritate your eyes, your skin, and it could cause respiratory problems. That's exactly right. So definitely if you take a dip, I would recommend as soon as you get out, rinse. And especially for children with sensitive skin, moisturize right right after. Yes. And reapply your sunscreen, of course, because you've been in a body of water. But very... Very, I don't know, <laughs> shocking, I mean, sad, I, but, shocking. So but you know, before, like in my, my neighborhood pool right now, it's, um, the pool's being repaired for the summer and I was kind of bummed about it. But now that I see that it's actually drained, they drain the entire pool and refill it. That's actually, could be a good thing if that chlorine is, is not, thing. yeah, yes. you so. have to, you literally have to take all the water out of the pool and put fresh water in if you want to remove the urine. Just putting adding fresh water in doesn't solve the issue. So you can't dilute the uh, the urine. No, no. Well, it seems like the more people that go in, the more well, they, <laughs> we're they gonna use more concentrated. So to be eight clear, gallons. Oh. So to be clear, when I walk into a pool and I'm wafting in the aroma of the pool, <laughs> I'm wafting in. What did you, you said? Byproduct. Disinfection byproduct. Which is a mixture of chlorine and, and urine, urine yes. from the patrons. Okay, we need to stop because I will never. <laughs> well, Ever enter a public? <laughs> that is interesting. Oh well, my saunas and they didn't hot test, tubs. They didn't and, test seawater, oh right? We can still go no, to seawater. No, they didn't test okay. the seawater. But <laughs> for the, all. Word to the wise: Do not pee in the pool. That's the takeaway lesson. What about all those drunk people that oh. drink and jump off boats and they're in the ocean? Oh, no. oh my God. No, I'm teasing. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, great discussion, guys. Before we're getting silly. Okay, before we get to today's guest, here's a word from our sponsor. The Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital team has every medical specialty a parent could want and the expertise every child needs. So when it matters most, trust the experts in pediatrics at Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital. If you liked our podcast, we hope you subscribe and tell someone about healthy parenting pitched by Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital. Welcome back and thank you once again for joining us on the Healthy Parenting Blog. I'd like to welcome today's guest, firefighter Jose Gregorich. Do me a favor, tell me. Um, I see you're a senior fire service professional. Yes, I uh, was hired with uh, Miramar Fire Rescue back in 2009. And uh, 
kind of quickly uh, work my way into this uh, position uh, now, which is uh, public information. So uh, my job is primarily to deal with the media and uh, interact with the public as, as much as humanly possible to spread the word on uh, safety and uh, things of that nature. That's fantastic. We have so many parents listening to you today. So tell us, what are some of the most common fireburn accidents that your service encounters? Yeah, so there's actually, and I'm glad, kind of glad again that you guys invited us because it's a, it's a real important topic uh, to, to discuss. We see a lot of, um, there's, there's three big ones. One of them is, uh, believe it or not, just direct flame, interaction with direct flame, whether it's uh, matches or candles, uh, tiki torches, the popular fireballs out in patios, things of that nature. So coming in direct contact with fire is actually a, kind of the number one thing that we get, but uh, we also do get a lot of uh, scald injuries. So we're talking liquids here, things like hot water, coffee, etc. And then the last one that we see a lot of out in the field is actually just uh, contact with the hot object. object say something like a stove or something on the stove that a uh, child or an adult comes in, in, into contact with. Those are the three the three big ones you see out there. That's always unfortunate when that happens. So, Jason, like in my, my office, I do pediatric dermatology. So with the skin, oftentimes after a trauma, just like you mentioned, um, with the scalds or the burns, they always come in seeking treatment for the scars or during the healing process or blistering and so forth. So that's some scary stuff. That's some scary stuff. Would you be able to give us, our, our audience, um, some fire prevention or burn prevention for, uh, for children? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, we'll kind of tackle all three, ranging from the three most common ones. And the first thing you always want to do and what we kind of preach the most is installing and maintaining smoke, smoke alarms. So it's not enough to just install them. You have to actually make sure that they're, that they're working. And uh, so you want to check those at least once a month. Just go around and, and uh, if you can reach it with your finger, phenomenal. If you can, uh, you know, maybe need like a longer stick to reach them. But just make sure that you go around the house and test every single one. And make it fun for the kids. We, we Sorry, say, what do you mean? There's like a button you push? Yeah, was and then, or are you, are you lighting a match underneath it? No, no, never want to do that. Uh, we call that inviting the bad guys. <laughs> no, of course. <laughs> That, that would fall under playing with fire. <laughs> you want to stay away from, from that way. There is an actual test button um, that uh, they, they all have where you can actually uh, uh, test them and okay. just push it in for about a second or two. And then that uh, annoying beep will, will start uh, sounding off. And with the newer ones, actually for a while now, when you push one, they should all turn on. So they should all be interconnected. You should have uh, one of these smoke alarms Essentially, where uh, where anybody's sleeping, where uh, in, in the common areas, uh, in every floor of the house, there's there's a strategic way to laying them out so they cover uh, the most area. And um, the idea with that is, 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 let's say there's a fire in one specific spot. If you don't happen to be near it, because they're all interconnected, you'd be able to hear it anywhere in the house and uh, be able to go get, get out very quickly. Now I know about so that, uh, that's not- one thing you want to do, and and like you can kind of make it fun in in that. Like our, our kids are trained in our school system to do fire drills. Right. So you can have kind of like your own fire drills at, at home and incorporate that into a, kind of a, a, a fun but ed- educational activity for them at the same time. They're used to doing it in school, so doing it at home would just be another, another positive. For your home, how often would you recommend doing your practice drills? So at least once a month. They, they do it at schools at least once a month. Yeah, we want to do it at, okay. at home at least once a month as well. And there's a reason for that. You know, we're, we're just kind of creatures of habit. 
And uh, so the more we practice these sort of things, the, uh, the, better off, uh, the better off we are. So the, most, the more often we do it, the more ingrained it is in their, in their, in their minds, the less we'll default to a panic-type situation, and then the more they'll be used to, to doing it. And it, it, when, when you do this, you want to not just kind of uh, set it off and ask them what they would do. You, you want to practice the entire gamut, which is also having a, a, a fire escape plan. And, and you want to train them that when they hear that alarm very, very quickly, um, they want to actually go out of the house and have a, a meeting spot where you guys would meet. Obviously, you, you do this with them. You don't want to just let them go out and walk out on the street on, by themselves. But, but you want to make sure that they understand the concept that when that alarm goes off, they need to drop whatever it is they're doing and walk their way out to, to safety, whether they're right next to you or, or, or not. Now, I know I'm guilty of this, that I don't actually check my alarms as much as I probably should. However, mine um, have this feature where when the battery gets low, it starts beeping consistently. Is that a standard feature for most fire alarms or is just... Yeah, so the actual, uh, and it's, I'm glad you asked that. It's a really good question because it kind of lets me talk about the next generation of the fire alarms that are out there now. So uh, there is a feature that once the alarm itself detects that it's the voltage in it has dropped below a certain voltage it kind of lets you know that it, it does it for some reason it always happens at three in the morning too i don't know why that is two 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 a.m <laughs> yeah, yeah, two, two and three in the morning no idea i think it's an internal joke amongst uh, smoke alarm manufacturers but yes that is that is one thing it really should never get to that level because if you're checking them once a month then that voltage would, would never drop to the point where, where they need to be sounding. What ends up happening, unfortunately, is because it goes off at 2 or 3 in the morning, most people end up just disconnecting it in the middle of the night, and then they forget to uh, replace those batteries. But the That's good news point. is the new smoke alarms that are coming out in the market now, and you can pick these up at pretty much any hardware store, uh, their batteries are good for 10 years. So 10 you years. never have to worry about replacing those, those batteries uh, any, anymore. And uh, keep in mind, too, the batteries are are a backup in case the electricity goes out. So those are connected via um, regular 120 to your house. The batteries are there as, as a backup. So, um, but the new ones, good for 10 years. You won't have to worry about uh, replacing the battery. You should still test them every month because they could go through a, a whole series of internal checks when you do that test. But uh, the reality is, is that if your smoke alarms now are older than 10 years anyway, they should be replaced. The, we always suggest following manufacturers' uh, recommendations, but I've never seen one more than 10 years. It's usually between 7 and 10 years that they, the, whole, the whole thing just needs to be replaced anyway. So with the new ones, built-in battery, you don't have to worry about it. 10 years comes along, you just replace the whole thing, and, you, and you're good to go. Well, excellent, excellent. Well, back to um, of injuries in general. Um, sure. Let's just say child gets hurt, they burn themselves on the stove. When would a parent take a child to the ER versus treating the injury at home? An- another really, really good question. So uh, the level of care needed to treat a burn really depends on a lot of different factors, including the location of the burn, the extent of the burn. Uh, at the end of the day, if, if you're not sure if your child's burn is serious, you always want to check with the pediatrician. But uh, kind of a general rule of thumb is, is if, the, if the burn's over the hands, the feet, the face, the groin, the buttocks, um, any major joint or large area of the body, pretty much anything that's larger than their hand, or for deep burns, which are burns that uh, are affecting all the layers of the skin or even other uh, soft tissue. If these are burns that were caused by either chemical or, or electricity, 
uh, which aren't that common but can happen, or if it's anywhere affecting uh, the airway, if they have difficulty breathing, all those you should seek uh, emergency medical assistance for. For minor burns, uh, those can be cared for at, at home, uh, but you definitely want to call and get a second opinion if, if you have burns that, uh, you know, not where you touch something and just got kind of red, but where you actually develop a, a blister, especially if it's a large blister, say like over uh, like two inches. Uh, if there's signs of infection, such as oozing, uh, coming from the wound, if there's increased pain or if there's redness and swelling, you do always want to check with your uh, pediatrician, but most of those can be uh, uh, treated at home. If, um, if you have a burn or a blister that doesn't heal in several weeks, um, you, you also want to check with your, with your pediatrician or your doctor. If there's any new or unexplained symptoms or there's any significant scarring, you do want to run those uh, by, by somebody. But let's say you're, you're, you're cooking and you accidentally rub up against a pot that was hot, you're going to get some immediate pain, you're going to get some, some redness, and uh, you, you basically just want to run that kind of under, under uh, cool water, cool tap water, till it no longer hurts. Please don't put anything on that. A lot of people will, will put, you know, there's, there's a lot of uh, tales out there about putting butter or sugar or salt or all, all, all kinds of uh, home remedies. Just You want to run just cool uh, tap, tap water, uh, not, not warm, not cold, just kind of uh, room temperature water on there till, till the pain uh, gets better. If you take your hand out and it still hurts, just put your, your hand right back under. Again, I'm talking for burns where, where you don't have a break in the skin, you don't have any blister, and et cetera, just, just a... Kind of like a, a what you know, like a a one level type uh, type burn. Uh, outside of that, like I said, there it really just depends on where um, where it is in the body. Besides burns, um, are there any tips you can give parents regarding uh, uh, hazardous materials and safety tips and anything like that? Especially yeah. for the kids that are yes. home alone, you know. Sure. What sure. should they avoid and stay away from? We always and and believe it or not. Uh, uh, again, you, you guys are asking a lot of really, really good questions here. The, the, there's, there's two reasons why we get home fires. Um, there's a lot of reasons, but there's, there's two big ones that can be very prevented. The first is, for some reason, cooking is a big thing. So if, if, you're, if your children are, children are home alone, they should be taught that they really shouldn't be using, uh, for the smaller children, they shouldn't be using the, the stovetop, they shouldn't be using the microwave, things of that nature, if, uh, if there's not an adult around, uh, adult supervision. And, and then um, the other big one is, is kids playing with matches. And, and as parents, we really need to drive that point home because we get more fires that start with kids playing with, with matches still uh, in this day and age than almost with anything else out there. Uh, but, you, you know, things of that nature, you want to teach them if they are older to use safe uh, cooking practices, never, ever, ever uh, leaving food unattended. One of the biggest things I, I wished I could just share with people this is you have no idea how quickly a fire can grow out of control. It's not like what you see in movies or on TV. It, it I mean, a, a house can completely burn down in as little as three minutes. Wow. If it's unchecked and out of control. So 
Um, and of course, it's mostly not fire that kills people, but the smoke that's released from, from those fires. But they, they grow very rapidly. Um, uh, fire basically doubles in size every 30 minutes to a second. And I personally and, witnessed that in my house, unfortunately. And that was started from a candle. Wow. Yeah. Do you see yeah. accidents with candles and fire? A lot. Yeah. A lot. And, and so, you know, again, there's a lot of technology nowadays. There are newer candles that are fake. They look completely real they even have a you know where it looks like the flames is moving we the wicker, i have that one <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're the but actually the first time i saw one i was at a uh, large theme park here in uh, in florida and uh, you know we're trained to look for unsafe things and i caught it off the off, off the corner of my eye and i went what are it these people so doing real. You know? yeah. yeah and i ran over there and of course <laughs> i felt like a fool afterwards <laughs> I went home and immediately ordered some because uh, they're phenomenal. Obviously, everybody likes, you know, some people like candles. But we, we like them at home. But the real thing, we, you know, I, I always say that's like if it was a thief, you're, you're letting the bad guy in. That's the, that fire flame is, is really, it's really the bad guy. So we see a lot of candle fire. Believe it or not, we've had a lot of, uh, of uh, unintentional, obviously, where, where pets will knock over. So you can you can ah. be safe. You think it's in a safe spot. You don't have children. Well, it doesn't matter. Even a pet. We got a, a lot of cats, and I'm a cat lover. But we got a lot of cats that will knock over uh, candles and uh, and start and start fires uh, when people aren't even home because they'll light the candle and leave. So. Uh, a lot of lot of things we can do around the home. Um, as far as scalding. Uh, you know, with with hot water, things of that nature, you want to set your 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 house's water heaters and and the thermostats on those at no more than 120 degrees Fahrenheit. That's another way to keep uh, infants and small children uh, safe. And um, just going back very quickly to where we're talking about uh, educating our children, we kind of sometimes forget about if, if they're home with babysitters. We want to make sure that they're also aware of your home layout, where all the emergency exits are, uh, two ways of getting out of every room, and make sure that they also are aware of uh, uh, your home fire safety plan and, and where the meeting spot is. That's a great point. That. I never heard of that, two ways to get out of every room. That's so um, substantial and concrete. I can, I can visualize that, like how important. Yeah, absolutely. Even though I'm, I'm trying to visualize more than one way, and I... I guess a door, a window. And a, and a window. Exactly. And what and it comes down to. Because, again, it moves so quickly, it's possible that your only way, out, your normal only way out may be blocked. What happens with us as, as human beings is, is psychologically, we're always going to try to go out the exact same way we came in. And this doesn't right. apply to just the home. If you're at a restaurant, when you sit down with your kids, train them and show them that, they need to look for those emergency red or green exit signs. And and uh, like I said, nine times out of ten, what we see is is whenever a, a panic happens, whenever a fire breaks out, people will cause this bottleneck effect because they will only try to get out out of that the way they came in. And, and what ends up happening is, is that very few end up using those emergency. When we see this time after time, it's... That uh, so very, makes sense. What a helpful very, tip. Uh, so you can do that at home as well. Um, every every room, every, even if you're in a two-story house, a lot of people ask, "Well, you know, I'm up here. I only have the one way out. What do I do with 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 a with a two-story two-story building, two-story house, or an apartment, etc.?" And so they they again sell uh, products for that sort of thing. They do sell uh, small ladders that collapse. Uh, 
to be utilized in an emergency to get out of a, a, a two-story house, for example. It, it just rolls right over the, that window, and, and uh, you're able to safely climb, climb down. You do want an adult, obviously, uh, uh, setting that up for, for the child, and you don't necessarily want to practice that, but just the, knowing that it's there and, and knowing really helpful. How, how to use it if you needed to is, is extremely helpful. Well, Jason, yeah. I've learned a lot. I, that was a knowledge bomb dropped on us in on our audience. Thank you so much. Absolutely. My pleasure. My pleasure. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us on the Healthy Parenting Podcast. Please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Tell others about it and visit Joe DiMaggio Facebook's page.